Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. My name's Josh. For those of you who perhaps don't know me, I think I actually know most of you. It's not too many unfamiliar faces. It's good to be here again tonight. Good to be getting into the Word with you tonight. If you haven't been here in the last few weeks, we're in a sermon series called When I Met Jesus, looking at the way that Jesus has transformed the lives of uh, some of the biblical characters and, in fact, our own lives as well, celebrating what Jesus has done for us. I read recently an article which discussed the interest or the focus that uh, our generation in particular seems to give to conversions or conversion stories. Uh, it's like, in some instances, we're just not satisfied with um, when Christians have just grown up in church and, or, or grew up with their parents teaching them about Jesus, this kind of story. And, and we still feel the need to know the exact moment uh, when they got converted or when they got saved. I'm not having a crack at people who grew up in church or even those who didn't and do have a, a clear and defined moment of conversion. Um, in fact, I grew up in the church and I thank God for my parents and my family and my church family uh, over the years who faithfully prayed for me and prayed with me and who taught me about Jesus. But tonight we are going to look at one of the great conversion stories of the Bible. We're going to look at when Saul met Paul. Uh, it's, it's a pretty impressive story. It's a story that many of you might know, perhaps some of you don't know. Um, Saul, who's also known as Paul, a bit more commonly known as. I'm going to pray, and then in a minute we're going to look at who Saul or who Paul is, how he met Jesus, and what changed for him in meeting Jesus. So pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your word uh, that was recorded a long, long time ago. We thank you for the life of of Saul or or of Paul, uh, the way that you transformed his life. And Lord, tonight we're going to unpack what your word has for us. I pray that you speak to each of us, that you open our hearts ready to receive the word that you have for us tonight. Uh, protect us against any other powers that may uh, try to manipulate what you have for us this evening. Guard my words, Lord. May the things that I say be of you and for our benefit and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So who was Saul, this guy Saul that we were talking about? He was a Jewish Pharisee, born as a Roman citizen uh, and raised in a devout Jewish home. In fact, his father uh, was a Pharisee, and it seems that 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 seems to have been passed down um, through the generations in his family. And this is why he has two names, because he was born a Roman. Uh, So Saul is, is a Jewish name whereas Paul is a Latin name, which he would have been given because of his Roman citizenship. And it was very common for Jews of the day to have had two names. Saul is never to have recorded as changing his name or, or having his name changed, as perhaps we know of other, um, other characters in the Bible, for example, uh, Simon, who became Peter, but rather, it was at a time later in his life that he simply chose to be known as his Roman name. 
So Saul is from Tarsus, a very influential city in Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. Um, and it was most known for its university. And Saul, he was very well educated, both as a Jew, as a Pharisee, and also as a tradesman. Uh, he made tents for a living, and we'll, we'll come to see a little bit more how that played into his life. So he would have studied the scriptures as a Jew from a very young age, and it's likely he went to university to, to study uh, the great authors. While all of this is happening, while, while Saul's living his life, Jesus has been born, he's grown up, he's announced his Messiahship, uh, he's coming to fulfill the scriptures and redeem God's people. He's then been crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, and in doing so has given his followers the task of sharing his good news with the nations. And the message of Jesus had begun to spread very, very quickly. And Jews were being converted to Christianity, causing a lot of frustration uh, for Jewish leaders, of which Saul was one. And so we come to Acts chapter 8. If you have a Bible with you, um, this one won't be on the screen. It's a very short passage. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts tonight, quickly at chapter 8. Beginning at verse 1, and Saul approved of his, that is Stephen, of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house. After house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So Saul is ravaging the church. He is causing harm, injury, hurting the people who are following Jesus. He's imprisoning them for being Christian. This is who Saul had become, a Pharisee leading the charge against the Christian church, against Christians who were opposing Judaism. And his reputation for this had spread across the region, not quite as quickly as Jesus' reputation, but certainly, someone's phone's going, certainly had spread very quickly uh, throughout the region. He was known uh, for his plight at ending the Christian charge. So, how did Saul meet Jesus? So Saul is continuing this, this plight or, or this fight against Christianity and he's approached the high priest for authority to travel to a town called Damascus and there he seeks to bind any Christians that he might find. And so this will be on the screen. We're going to read from Acts chapter 9. It's a fair, fair chunk, so bear with me. Acts chapter 9, beginning from verse 1 through to 22. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were travelling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight. He neither ate nor drank. Now there was a a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Well, the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how, he, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was, in, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Amen. So Saul is making it his life mission to bring down the Christian church that is growing he isn't just watching out for his friends and family that of, and for their faithfulness to, to Judaism. Saul is traveling to other parts of the world and seeking to imprison anyone who is venturing into this new following. It's like Saul has moved from simply telling his friends about a cool new product to going door to door to sell that new product. Let's say it was a fidget spinner. They're pretty cool still, right? They're cool and and popular, right? Everyone's still got fidget spinners? No? Yes? Yes? Tell me there's some yeses, please. 
Oh, it's, it's just not cool anymore, is it? Oh, gee. It's getting a bit warm in here. <laughs> well, let, let's roll with it, hey? Let's say I got a fidget spinner and told my friends about it and that they're pretty cool and, and pretty fun. Well, if Saul got one, he would be going next level, right? He'd be going door to door to sell you a fidget spinner. And if you didn't want one, he'd lock you up. It's not good enough to not want one. You need a fidget spinner. For Saul, if you didn't have a fidget spinner, then you need one. And if you don't want one, then you ought to be in prison for such irrational behavior. How could you not want a fidget spinner? If you don't want to hold to Jewish teaching and customs then you need to be locked up for the preservation of society, for the preservation of our world, for the preservation of God's world. This is Saul's mission. This is why he is travelling to Damascus. And on his travels, he is stopped dead in his tracks. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus intervenes in this situation. And Saul is struck with confusion. He doesn't care for the question that he's asked, but rather, who on earth is asking it of him? He says, Lord, who are you? Not to be confused with with Jesus' title of Lord. Saul is simply trying to be polite out of fear. It's like me saying, Sir, who are you, sir? Don't, Don't kill me. Tell me who you are. What's going on? Following instructions, Saul goes to Damascus. He enters the city blind, hungry, and thirsty. And there he remains for three days. And the Lord calls on his disciple Ananias to go to Saul and return to Saul his sight. And Ananias is like, well, isn't, isn't this guy the one who's come to destroy the church? Isn't he coming to, to tear us down, Lord? Why do you want me to talk to him? Why do you want me to give him back his sight? Isn't he better off blind? Better for us if he's blind? Jesus says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And so has his sight returned. He's then baptized, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to teach that Jesus is in fact the promised Messiah. That Jesus is the one who was prophesied about. He was the one that was to come to bring restoration, to bring redemption to God's people. Saul draws on a combination of the revelation of Jesus and his knowledge of the Hebrew Scriptures. And Saul proves to the Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul literally brings together Jesus' life And the prophecies of the Old Testament, he brings them together. 
and shows that they are aligned, that they are held together. So this is the guts of of, of Saul's encounter with Jesus. This is when he was converted to following Jesus. And tonight, I'd love to focus not so much on, on this specific encounter, but rather what it meant for Saul's life that uh, that Saul has not just been apathetic to the coming of Jesus and the subsequent formation of the church, but he's actively made it his goal to bring down this movement. I want to focus on, on Saul moving from, from this being his life goal, from this being his mission, to the new Saul, to who Saul is called to be. Saul was living the best life that he could live, living better than any other Jew. He lived by the letter of the law as best as he could, as best was possible. He could not be any better a Jew than what he already was, and yet Jesus showed him that it meant nothing. He later wrote to the church in Philippi, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Saul was good. And he knew he was good. You might even say he was the best. And yet he came to know that it all meant nothing without knowing Jesus as Lord in his life. Saul took this encounter with Jesus and used the status that he had to, to share the gospel with the nations. He did this in a few ways. He used his place as a Jewish Pharisee, as Saul from Tarsus, to minister to the Jews, to show who Jesus was as a fulfillment of their own scriptures. He used his place as a Roman citizen, 
as Paul to minister to the Gentiles, to bring hope to pagan nations caught up in the worship of false gods, caught up in the sins of the flesh. And this is when he became known by Paul. To bring the gospel to the Gentiles in their own terms, in their own language. And unless you have a direct Jewish ancestry, we're in this category. We are Gentiles that Paul ministers to. People that are caught up in the sins of this world, caught up in our culture and in need of a saviour. This is where our city lies. He used his trade as a tent maker to fund his travel and missionary journeys, to bring this message of hope, to bring his knowledge of Jesus to the nations. He planted churches. And he used his education, his ability to read and write, which perhaps we take for granted, but it was something that only the educated people of his day could do. And he wrote. And he read. He interpreted the scriptures for the New Testament church. And he wrote letters to these newly founded churches. Paul is responsible for writing much of the New Testament that we have today. And even as though he wrote letters to these churches, he didn't write with the purpose of it becoming scripture. He wrote to these churches as churches to encourage them, to teach them. And much of this, this teaching, much of these letters has come to form major doctrine and, tract and practices of Christians and Christian churches up till today. So Paul has gone from leading the charge against the church, fighting against the church, persecuting the church. It said, I read earlier that you know, he accepted the persecution of Stephen, the execution of Stephen. You know, a Christian leader of the time. And he's travelled, he's sought to imprison the Christians, to go through the towns and, and to find those who are following Jesus and put them in prison, lock them up. So that's what he's come from and he's met Jesus in the middle and then he's become this man uh, with a new mission in life. To share the hope of Jesus. To share what knowing Jesus will do for you. That knowing Jesus will bring you life eternal. Knowing Jesus brings you life apart from death. The death that we're all destined for apart from Jesus. This is a major change. After, after Paul had 
had met with Ananias and regained his sight and, and come to see who Jesus was and, and that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of the scriptures, he traveled to Jerusalem and met with the other apostles. And the scriptures tell us that, that they were afraid. They knew of his reputation. They knew that, this, that he had wanted to destroy the church. And now this guy wants to meet with us. He wants to get to know us. He wants to share ministry with us, mission with us. Hmm. I'm not too sure if this is legit. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a, you know, a false identity or, or, or a plight to, you know, to, to be the, the, the sheep in the, the, sorry, the wolf in the, in the sheep's clothes. You know, get amongst us and, and then destroy us from the inside. You know, they were afraid. They weren't sure what to think. Such a change is massive. And Jesus did this and, and set Paul up and, and, and his ministry to bring glory to himself. Paul's life teaches us two things. Two major things. There's many things we can learn from him. But two major things. That we are saved only by the grace of God, for the glory of God. And that Jesus calls even the worst of us for his purposes in the kingdom. So firstly, that we are saved by the grace of God. There is nothing that we can do to earn righteousness before God, to earn a place in his kingdom. Nothing. If there was, Paul says that he would have achieved it. If there was a way to become righteous before God, if there was a way to have a place in God's throne room, Paul would have been there. And yet he wasn't. He was the best of the best that lived, and yet he says himself he was still unworthy of a place in the kingdom of God. He came to find his place in the kingdom of God by knowing Jesus. By Jesus coming down and intervening in his life, ripping him up off the path that he was on and putting him on a new, on a new path. And as Christians, we have a place in the kingdom of God because Jesus did the same thing for us. He came down and took our place on the cross, dying for our sins and offering us his place in the kingdom, his place of righteousness, his place of holiness, his place in the throne room of the Father. There's nothing we can do to earn that. And when we know that, and when we receive the life that Jesus gives us, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to praise God for. And secondly, we know from and learn from uh, Paul's life that Jesus calls even the worst of us 
for his purposes in the kingdom. It's a very common thought amongst culture today that I'm not good enough to be a Christian. You know, this idea that Christians are perhaps goody goodies or you know, Christians are they're the people that they do the right thing all the time. You know, they they've got their life figured out and you know this this idea that certainly I see in culture today, I see in my workplace, I see in the community. And even as Paul, as good as he was, as good as it was possible for him to be as a Jew, he was so actively working against the Christian church, against God. And yet God had a plan for his life. I think Jesus' words in in this this text in Acts 9 really captures this change in Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's what he says when, he, when Saul encounters Jesus. And then he says later to Ananias, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God's mercy is so great that he has a plan and a purpose even for those who are seeking to destroy him, even for those that are fighting the Christians, even for those who are fighting the church, fighting God's plan, God's purposes, God's kingdom. God can still have a plan. This is true too for my own life. You know, eight to ten years ago, I was a very angry young man, fighting hard to live my own life as my own Lord, do my own thing, be my own boss, do what I wanted to do. I didn't have a care for those around me, didn't have a care for the things that God had for me, my family, my parents, my, uh, my friends, or, or even the blessings that God had given me. You know, the, the provision in my life. And yet I stand here speaking from the Bible, of all things, about Jesus and his goodness. You know, God had a plan for my life, a plan to take me from the paths that I was on, paths leading to destruction and put me on a new path. And he has a plan for your life too. Perhaps you, like me, grew up in the church, grew up in a Christian home where you were taught about Jesus and and so, you know, maybe it's a little blurry you know, when it was that you became a Christian, when it was that, that God saved you. Or perhaps you, like, like Paul, have a very clear moment in your life where, where you were saved. 
You were converted. You were you turned from a life of destruction to a new life in Jesus. Either way, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Sort of, I mean, it, it matters, but it, it's, the details aren't what matters. It matters that we have this new life. That whatever our past is, God has a plan for us. That it's in his plan and in his purposes that we have salvation and life. That we can come today and and sing praise to God for this. Meeting Jesus changed Paul's life. He went from someone hating Christians, pursuing their imprisonment and death, to being a warrior for Jesus, to being a major teacher in the Christian church, teaching people and showing them the goodness of God. Meeting Jesus has changed or will change your life also. If you have met Jesus, if you're already Christian, I want to encourage you today and, and this week to reflect on, on how Jesus has changed your life. Where were you before you knew Jesus? And where are you now that you do know Jesus? And let this fuel your worship of him to see how Jesus has changed your life, given you a new life, made you a new creation. And if you're yet to meet Jesus, I want to invite you tonight to meet him. I want to encourage you to have a conversation with someone around you here. Perhaps the person who brought you or any of the people here at City Light. Meeting Jesus has changed my life, changed Paul's life, has changed our lives as Christians. You can't meet Jesus and not have your life changed. It just, it just doesn't work that way. Meeting Jesus and, and coming to know him as your Lord and to see uh, the hope that we have in him, it can't not change your life. If you're yet to meet Jesus... Pray that God would reveal himself to you, that he would meet you where you're at. And if you don't know how to do that, or you don't feel like you can do that, ask someone to pray that with you. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and and then we're going to share communion together. This is about remembering who Jesus is, what he's done for us. Remembering that we have met Jesus.
and that he's won for us a place in the kingdom of God. And this is a time for you to remember when you met Jesus. To think about how your life has been changed. Maybe you're wondering, well, has my life changed? I know Jesus, I know him. I'm Christian, I, I read my Bible, but has my life changed? And maybe there are parts of your life that you need to think about. Areas that perhaps God, God is convicting you of. And if you're not a Christian, I would love to invite you to meet Jesus. And as we take communion, I'd invite you to remain in your seat. Perhaps talk to someone around you. Have that conversation. Pray that prayer. I think I speak on behalf of all of us that know Jesus, that we want you to know Jesus. Think about how Jesus changed Paul's life. You know, he took him from a place farthest from the kingdom of God, farthest from life with Jesus, to a life with Jesus, leading the Christian church, leading the evangelization, the spreading of the gospel. What a radical change. Bringing glory to God. Change is possible for each of us with Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you know, we, we, we know of the life that Saul had, the life that you took him from, and the life that you gave him. Lord, you changed his life, and you've changed our lives. And tonight, as we've reflected on, on that incredible change that happened for Paul and what that meant for the trajectory of his life, Lord, continue to, to grow us towards life like you. You've set us on a new path with a new purpose in this life. Help us to grow to be the people that you'd have us be. Lord, as we go about our week and we consider how and reflect on how our lives have changed because of you, Lord, show us areas or, or parts of our lives that perhaps still need more change. Lord, as we go about our work or our study or whatever it is that we do during the week, Lord, show us the people around us that we can share this message of hope with. Lord, the change in Paul's life was not for his own glory 
but was for your glory. So that Paul could stand and say, look at what God has done in me and look at what he can do in, in each of you. And Lord, that's the, the message that, that we want to reflect on this week. The change that has happened in Paul, the change that has happened in us, what you have done in our lives and what you can do in the lives of the people around us. Lord, burn that message in our hearts. Give us a fire inside of us that's so strong that we can't help but share this hope with the people in our lives. And Lord, as we continue to worship, continue to remind us of how you've changed us, given us a new life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.